2: Right this way.
1: It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex.
3: I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiofonic novela, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast.
1: Welcome to Locatora Radio, season nine. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives.
3: This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again and getting to the the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never
1: gone before and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound.
3: Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award winning singer songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people,
2: We are back at it here in the magic radio box, another night of nonsense. And as the world turns, it is a soap opera. We get to talk about a soap opera. Sports is the male soap opera, and we have Antonio Brown as our leading prima donna. Uh, And uh, yes, yes, all about A, B. Now, it is time for, wait for it, our obligatory Antonio Brown malor monologue. So if you've not heard the latest, if you're not following every twist and turn, every morsel of information about Antonio Brown. If you're missing out on this, I'll get you caught up to speed. I'll give you the thumbnail recap here. Uh, And and, and here it is. Antonio Brown, despite speculation that it wouldn't happen, it happened. What is it? Announce your pronoun. Uh, Antonio Brown practiced with the Patriots. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. He was out there for the first time on Wednesday. And this is Something that was not guaranteed because it came a day after the story we talked about in a previous episode of the show, his former trainer, someone that he had known since he was in college in Michigan, had filed a civil lawsuit in Florida accusing him of being Harvey Weinstein uh, and assaulting her on multiple occasions. Now, before the practice session, then the, uh, the people addressed, the players, some of the players, some of the coaches, including Bill Belichick, addressed the assembled fourth estate to discuss the situation. Now, I want to play this Bill Belichick here because Bill Belichick, declining to answer numerous questions about A.B., including his status of the game. That's going to be a couple minutes, but listen, this is like a public interrogation. We do on our show, every day we do Mallard to the third degree in the second hour of the show and it's um, just being grilled with three questions. used to be five questions, now it's down to three. Eventually it'll be down to one question. But Bill Belichick just getting peppered nonstop with questions about Antonio Brown, and he never lost character.
6: To the situation, we're taking it very seriously um, all the way through the organization. I'm um, sure there are questions, but um, I'm not going to be entering into discussion about that today.
5: So were Can you, so are you aware of the lawsuit when you signed Antonio Brown? I'm not
6: going to be expanding on the statements that have already been given. Don't
5: you think the fans deserve to hear a little more from you on will we'll say
6: more. That, you
5: know, could impact the team? Yeah.
6: I just said that. Don't you think fans deserve to hear a little bit more? When we, we know you? more, we'll say more.
7: Are you preparing to have Antonio Brown practice today? Yes. And are you preparing for him to play on Sunday?
6: We're taking it one day at a time, are just you like we, for, we always
7: do. Are you for the
6: possibility uh, that he could be on the commissioner? We're, we're preparing for one day at a time. That's a drop. Which way
8: would the allegations against him weigh into so whether or not we play him on Sunday?
6: Yeah. I appreciate all the questions, and that's what's been said has been said.
5: <laughs> you, know, you brought up Randy Moss yesterday. Do you think that Antonio Brown will require as much attention as Moss did to get him in sync with the team?
6: Yeah, I didn't say that.
5: I'm asking you. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know if it will require more attention? No. How difficult or frustrating is it yeah. to have a distraction like this, right at the beginning of the season? when you? Yeah, we're,
6: we're, getting, we're working on Miami. We're working on Miami. The rest of it is it's, we're on Miami.
5: You've had bigger distractions before. Are you confident that this is not going to throw you off track at all?
6: We're working on Miami. <laughs> went through the scouting report, went through the game plan today. We're going to practice for Miami. Can
5: you tell us all what
2: Antonio Brown has said to I'm you? Still
6: going. Yeah, I mean, I'm done with that. Okay. Anything uh, else on Miami?
9: I'm done with it in one way,
6: sir? Any other questions?
7: Uh, can you explain what you mean when you're done with it? I mean, we're just trying to find out if he said <laughs> anything to you about
4: his position and about the allegations.
6: Yeah, and no, I just answered that question. Well, actually, you did. Actually, I did.
4: Thanks
2: everyone. Thanks, okay. <laughs> All right, there it is. Bill Belichick <laughs> exiting stage. Right. So you had the media who had an agenda. They wanted a juicy soundbite, a nice pound of flesh from Bill Belichick. And then you had Belichick, who is classic douchey McDouche when it comes to answering questions, and it made for a nice heated cross-examination. And Belichick, as you heard there, referenced the Patriot statement in which he, they said they were aware of the lawsuit and take the allegations very seriously. Reminds me of years ago, there was a baseball player, I was covering the Angels, and they had a baseball player named Tony Phillips, and uh, he's dead now, but he got caught in a crack house uh, before an Angels game, and Bill Bavese was the GM of the Angels. I'll never forget it, Bevesi, because the Angels sent out a press release announcing you know, that, that Tony Phillips had been, uh, you know, they, they were taking the matter very seriously, you know, it's the standard BS about how, you know, we're looking into it, whatever, serious matter. And then uh, Bavese, the GM at the time, they asked him to comment, and he just kept so uh, it's, everything's in the statement. I got nothing else to add to it. It's all in the statement. Uh, yeah, but we, I'm in radio. I need a soundbite. I can't play a press release on the radio. And it, uh, yeah. uh, Anyway, what about Tom Brady? Tom Brady, we got some audio too. Tom Brady wanted nothing to do as well with the line of questions related to the Komoto Dragon
6: in the room. I'm just trying to show up and play football and try to prepare. Miami's a good team. i going to get ready for them and... Things that don't involve me don't involve me.
2: Yeah. All right. So some on social media offended. That was just a little taste of Brady. I figured we didn't need to play the whole song and dance. But a number of people offended their sensibilities on social media because Tom Brady and Bill Belichick did not publicly rebuke Antonio Brown that these guys took the safe road. They did not say anything negative about these very serious allegations in a civil case against Brown. Uh, so, I want to talk about that part of the story. Now, the question is, how should Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have responded? And I'll go first here. my my answer is they they responded exactly how they were supposed to respond. Uh, I have no issue with this uh, at all, whatsoever. And I when I mean, people are angry. I, Brown is a, uh, a heathen and a scoundrel and all people are very upset because a lot of people believe allegations before they're verified allegations. And there's a big mob of people that are running around with torches and they're very upset. But I, I've got hand grenades, standard and principles and Siberia. And we will toss all these things together and make some baba ganoush. Eddie Garcia's favorite, baba ganoush. He's going to get some right now. He's walking to the kitchen to eat some baba ganoush. That's true. All right, now, A, I'm not making that up. The people are expected, right? People are expecting uh, unreasonable things when it comes to Belichick and Brady and their reaction. They're living in a parallel universe. Now, even if you have rudimentary understanding of New England football, you would know the Patriots are not an organization that talk out of class, all right, out of school. They don't do that. And as a talk show host, it is much more fun, I agree, to have transparency and get a nice big juicy quote from Belichick and Trash and Brown saying, he'll never play for me. I can't believe he's a rapist. You know, they want that, that kind of stuff. But any dollar store PR crisis team will tell you to – Ignore and deflect in this kind of situation. This is a textbook example of how to handle these situations. Why? It's the third rail, my man. That's a boss I have that likes to say that. Uh, Antonio Brown is so polarized, he has become human toxic waste as far as public relations are concerned and the image and reputation standpoint. So Tom Brady, he didn't want to do the backstroke in the septic tank and, and come out there and trash uh, one Antonio Brown. He did want to do that because there's a chance Antonio Brown didn't do this uh, and, uh, and will not be having to pay any money out or anything like that. I can't blame Brady for that. These are loaded questions. You heard the questions with Belichick. We played the entire thing. These questions were lobbed like hand grenades out of a bunker. Okay, that's what these questions, they were trying to get, they were incriminating questions. I understand, I, I'm in the media, I know how the question game works, you're asking questions, you kind of have an idea what the answer is supposed to be, will you get the answer you want, with well, Belichick and Brady you don't. If Tom Brady and or Bill Belichick had gone on mic and condemned A.B., It would have won the day. It would have won the news cycle. However, at what cost? Because, again, to play devil's advocate, what if they don't actually believe that Antonio Brown did this? And this is just a smear campaign by someone trying to cash in and get some of Antonio Brown's money. And someone that strategically made this announcement at a time when it would cause the most harm to Antonio Brown. Rather than doing it in May, you do it in, in September. What about that part of it? Now, B, we know how allegations are handled. In the information age, and we have referenced this, the accuser is believed by many with no verification required. I don't think it's a hundred percent, but it's it's certainly more than it used to be. You are accused uh, as the accuser, you are tried, convicted, and executed in the court of public opinion. It's good afternoon, good morning, good night, whatever that, is, whatever you want to say that, and and, and nevertheless, the reality check here. And this is important. This is a civil lawsuit. It's not a criminal proceeding. There's a massive difference. If you ever took any class in school and you learned about the judicial system in the United States, this is a big deal. right? This is a civil lawsuit. It's not as big a deal if it was a criminal case. Imagine if Bill Belichick and Tom Brady had trashed A.B. publicly on some unverified charges, and then he's cleared in court. How awkward would that be? What's so the right thing to do? Now, Antonio Brown's legal representation saying they plan on counter suing, so we are going to get what's known as an aluminum shower in court. It's like a midair collision with metal falling down from the heavens, the debris falling down from the sky. Remember the, the, the standard and principles of law you can sue anyone, anytime, for anything, literally. That's the way the forefathers set up the legal system in the United States. This, you know, if this was a consensual sexual relationship, uh, it, it, then I hope the accuser is held liable for malicious prosecution and abusive process, which does occasionally happen, but not very often. Uh, and if Antonio Brown did this, and it's proven that he did it then I believe Antonio Brown should not play in the NFL again. I think it kind of goes without saying. It goes with the territory. Now, the, the last word on this. So what are the odds that Antonio Brown ends up on the commissioner's exempt list this week? As an amateur bookmaker who has been giving out point spreads and numbers uh, for years here, completely uneducated, I will give you the line. I have the odds at minus 250 that Brown ends up on the commissioner's exempt list. So if you're not a degenerate gambler, that implies there's a 70% chance. I believe there's only a 30% chance that Brown is out there playing on Sunday. It is up to the discretion of Roger Goodell. Brown, if he is put on that list, if you've forgotten, he would be prevented from practicing or attending Patriot games. He would be put into quarantine to keep him away from the rest of the team uh, so he does not infect The other players, uh, AB would be sent uh, his check, he'd get his direct deposit, $15 million salary or $10 million guaranteed, and then he'd be sent on a nice vacation to Siberia. He would go to Siberia, and then he would just have to play the waiting game. Now, the NFL is being bombarded right now by a bunch of special interest groups who... Uh, who are taking this to the extreme here, and they've convicted Antonio Brown already. In their mind, allegation equals guilt and equals you did it without any verification. Beyond that, and so the NFL is being attacked here by these special interest groups. They're demanding to take action against A.B., and this is based on an unsubstantiated allegation. Now, they typically end up overwhelmed, the NFL, even though it's a multi-billion dollar industry and all that. They, the negative PR, the optics are a nightmare. The NFL employs players who have shady reputations. Uh, not all of them. Some of them are very good, but some of them are not. Uh, and they want to make it seem, though, publicly like they, they really value etiquette. They value decorum. Uh, and, and that's their bedrock when it's not. You know, it's, it's not at all. You know, the integrity, like big buzzwords they like to throw out, guided by a code of ethics. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, that plays well in the heartland. That plays well in some other places. So the smart money says that they'll issue an unconditional surrender of the NFL, cave in to public opinion, public sentiment, before the weekend. Now, if I were to say when's the most likely time this is going to happen – uh, I believe it will happen on Friday, the Friday news dump when people are out doing stuff, planning their weekend and not paying close attention. Now, pretty much any time on Friday is, uh, is good. Usually it's Friday afternoon. That's what they do it in D.C., those slimy politicians. But you could also do it. In the morning, because most people can kind of check out on Friday. It's uh, half day at class and all that.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
10: Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena.
2: Selena.
10: Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota.
11: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It's one of my guilty pleasures when I come in here to the radio station. I love to talk about legal cases. There's one out there. It is a, a legal battle brewing The NCAA versus California. I don't know if you've heard about this, if you pay attention to this kind of stuff, but uh, it all comes down to a decision that is up to the governor of California that will greatly impact the future of NCAA competition, athletic competition. A six-paragraph form letter Vetted by an army of lawyers, was released on Wednesday, and the NCAA came from the NCAA a special board at the NCAA that urged some would go as far as to say threatened California Governor Gavin Newsom to not sign legislation known as the Fair Play or Fair Pay to Play Act. What is the Fair Pay to Play Act? Uh, what is that? Is that a different language for you? It would allow college athletes to be paid. ...for the use of their names, likeness, and images. Now, if you're the star quarterback at USC and you happen to have a good team... ...and you're a Heisman candidate, you can put your face on a box of cereal... ...and you can cash in on it or some other ride. In theory, that's how that would work. So the board of Banshees warning the governor of California... ...that should he sign this particular document... California schools may be declared ineligible for NCAA competition if the bill becomes law because they would have, in the eyes of the NCAA, an unfair recruiting advantage, saying it would be inappropriately affecting interstate commerce, that this is going to affect, uh, affect interstate commerce. Uh, then, in the next breath, saying the NCAA did that this is not a threat. It is not a threat. Okay. Uh, remember the duck test, right? What's the duck test? If it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, then it's a duck, right? That's my duck. It's called a spade, a spade. The, the NCAA says the measure would affect uh, more than 24,000 athletes in California, which is the most populated state in the United States, and should the bill pass, Gavin Newsom would have 30 days to sign or to veto it. Now, if he does nothing, if he abstains and says, I don't want to put my hand in this, the bill would still become law. The NCAA used some big buzzwords, uh, as we reference here. They warned Newsom legislation, as I said, would be unconstitutional and harmful. This is a constitutional issue. According to the NCAA. So that that's the really the meaty part of this. The question is: what do you make of the NCAA saying and threatening the, the state of California and saying that this is unconstitutional and harmful? Uh, now it's it's obviously predictable. That's the first thought I had. But you also have Will Farrell, the typhoon, and meat and potatoes. And we will combine all these things together, and we will make a nice stew. Now, number one, the NCAA is facing a, for lack of a better term here, a an avalanche of litigation. Now, this is a, a big one right now. They spend a small fortune on legal counsel. The California's uh, politi- political climate, the legislation in California, they present the clearest and most present danger to the bankers and bureaucrats who are the guardians of the gold bars that have the NCAA logo on them. The National Collegiate Athletic Association, a government entity that started because players were dying on the football field from the flying wedge. If there was no flying wedge, there would be no NCAA. But thus we have it. It's been around for a long time, and it's a big bureaucracy, and... They have to protect the cash cow. They're attempting to cover their behind. I think it's kind of obvious there. You don't need me to tell you that. The NCAA rules prohibit athletes from profiting off of their athletic ability. You cannot do it. Only the coaches are allowed to profit. Only the schools, the administrators are allowed to profit from athletic abilities. That's it. You cannot monetize your celebrity. They can, but you can't. I believe the term for this is indentured servitude. I think that's the term. Now, if you're a dope dealer, if you're a dope dealer and you own the neighborhood, you can't have someone come in and cut into your profits with a side hustle. So the NCAA in this analogy is like the dope dealer and someone's entering the neighborhood and they're trying to sell the dope for cheaper. You're like, wait a minute. here. I, 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 don't, I don't want this. I want no part of this. What's up with that? Uh, so it's a high stakes game of poker. The NCAA makes about a billion dollars a year, sometimes more, sometimes less, uh, and, and much of, of that money comes directly from TV and marketing. However, did you know the the actual on a whole revenue of the bureaucracy that is the NCAA? They the, the numbers are out there that they they bring in about twelve billion dollars annually. Twelve billion dollars. They claim to get eleven billion every year from ticket sales at things like football games and basketball games and also student fees that go towards the athletic program. Everyone needs to be subservient to the almighty NCAA. The reality is that the NCAA does not have a leg to stand on. Now, you you say that, but when you go to a a court case, it's always a possibility that... They'll find uh, the NCAA, Will, a sympathetic judge who will say, oh, no, I like the way it was when I was in school, and I do not want to see any change at all. You know, who knows what the—this goes all the way to the Supreme Court, which it likely will, but as Will Ferrell famously uttered many, many years ago when he was playing Buddy the Elf, right, remember that line? You you sit on a throne of lies. You you do. You sit on a throne of— it, it, it's, it's, Listen, uh, if anyone is being unconstitutional, uh, in this situation, it is the the people running college sports, right? That's it's just it's not right. Now, they they I assume have to look in the mirror uh, at some point. Doesn't matter. I mean, they, they seem to be very unreasonable uh, in in this regard. Now, now the second thing here: if California's governor really does take the leap into the deep end here and gets out of the kiddie pool and goes in the deep end. You can guarantee that the NCAA will declare all schools are ineligible. I don't doubt that. I don't think that's an idle threat. I believe it's an accurate threat from NCAA competition. They're going to double down that Cali schools will have an unfair recruiting advantage. There's no doubt in my mind. Then what happens? Then you have the incoming typhoon, as in the typhoon of lawsuits. The lawyers... They're going to be the ones that win, as they always are. This will drag through the judicial system at a snail's pace. And I do believe it will end up in the Supreme Court. It will go all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, The theory on this is that it will actually backfire for the people that run college sports. I'll tell you why. Because the NCAA assumes that they can just blacklist California schools with no real price to pay other than some legal challenges. Spoiler alert! Not true. It's not true at all. I'll tell you why. It is the law of unintended consequences. And I look at, at the top of my head, I don't know all the schools that play football in California, but I know USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, Fresno State, San Diego State, some of the bigger schools that play football in California, and there are others. Uh, You put all those into a conference. You form your own conference. You say, oh, we don't need the NCAA. We'll form our own thing with all the schools in California. And then... Oh, it's possible that some other states, I mean, even in Oregon, they say, oh, you know, we want to join California or Washington and and some other places, and then you start growing it out, they'll get a side TV deal. There's enough fledgling television networks that are looking for programming that one of them would be willing to be a sugar daddy and put them on the boot. They already have the Pac-12 network anyway. They already have their own fledgling network, which no one on DirecTV can get. If you are a blue-chip recruit, the thing this, play this out, though. The reason it backfire, not only that the schools in California can form their own operation, but if you are a hotshot, all-American recruit, and you are, let's say you're, you're a recruit from Texas or Florida, and you're being recruited by Oklahoma, Alabama, and USC, and all things being equal in this conversation, uh, you can go to Alabama or Oklahoma, play under the draconian rules, or... You can go to a school in the Golden State and uh, get paid. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to, to hide it and do it in nefarious ways. You can do it very transparently. Uh, what would you? Would you choose? You know, all things being the same here, you would be a fool not to jump on a more profitable opportunity. Could also see other schools, as I said, banding together here and supporting California and going rogue. And uh, all across the country. Now, the final point. So while this change will impact all of the athletes who play college sports, it's really about the meat and potatoes. It ain't about the the secondary sports. It's not. This is about the monsters. The monsters are men's basketball and football. Those are the moneymakers. Semi-professional football, huge TV deals. The NCAA tournament is a bonanza. right are making it rain like you're at Floyd Mayweather's club. they are making it rain. If they got rid of those other sports, right? They got rid of those, those other sports. No one really knows. They got rid of the big sports, football and basketball, but they kept rowing softball and gymnastics. The NCAA would be hopping and skipping, to cha- forget Chapter 11. They'd go right to Chapter 7 bankruptcy, is what they would be doing. right? Chapter 11, you just reorganize. Chapter 7, you are fully liquidated. You are gone uh, out of here. CLA, you're going the way of Toys R Us. You're out of here. Uh, now, the impressive thing about the NCAA is that they are, much like Bill Belichick, cold blooded. All right, No guilty conscience here. Uh, and I'm sure that those that ran the sweatshops back in the day felt the same way the NCAA did. you got to protect the business. I understand why they're doing it. I'm not naive to that. But the, the NCAA and colleges in general have been taking part in what really is low-level organized crime for, for decades. Certainly in, in more recent decades, you can question you know, the early days of of this uh, if that was the case. But universities have been putting... Students also into debt. This is a bigger issue than the NCAA, but colleges in general. Uh, How many people do you know, maybe you're even one of them, that went to college, you did the right thing, you made your parents proud, you went to a university, you picked up a degree, and you left there being unable to get a job? It was either useless or you're not able to get a high enough paying job to pay back the student loans that you have they they implied when you go to college that you're gonna get a certain job and you'll make more than someone that doesn't go to college but in many respects uh, you would have gotten more bang for your buck by going to some trade school or technical school and learning a craft and mastering it it's a, it's an interesting point I heard years ago but anything in life you do if you master something like the, the people like magicians magicians are really good at magic because they Practiced magic their entire lives, and you can master. You know it's the, the ten thousand hours thing. You can master anything if you, if you spend the time. But I know I'm getting carried away on my little soapbox here. But you get the point. Uh, but but it's back to the NCA. So the, the NCAA, they would rather keep it the way it is, which means envelopes like the old Soprano show on HBO, filled with cash, passed under the table. Uh, no, you know, no direct deposits. They, that, that's what the world they want. The, the NCAA. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller
5: Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
2: Juan Gabriel.
10: Juanes. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azucar. Carol G. La Bichota.
11: and what's next. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It's Maller.
5: How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled.
2: Coop-de-loop.
7: Ben, in a just-published interview, Kevin Durant ripped into the fans of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the organization. He said, quote, I'll never be attached to that city again, yeah. citing how he was treated on the way out. Ben, do you think Durant was treated any worse than LeBron was yeah, when he yeah. left Cleveland the uh, first time?
2: LeBron continues to be a drama queen. I mean, this is—or or Durant, rather, a, a drama queen. LeBron also is a drama queen, but Durant's got thin-skid. LeBron— seems to not have as as thin a skin as Kevin Durant here. It's all relative. Like Kevin Durant made things more difficult on himself. All right? As a talk show host, it is great that he has no filter on social media. It makes my job very easy during basketball season when you're picking fights with teenagers on Instagram who slide into your DMs. It is unbecoming, but it makes for great rating. Those are unforced errors by Kevin Durant, and people look down upon you when you do that kind of stuff, and you're supposed to be above it. And B, LeBron James, he was branded a card-carrying slime ball when he left Cleveland the way he did with that Jim Gray news conference at the Boys and Girls Club in Connecticut, and then went down and formed that super team. People were rejoicing. How soon we forget the there was extreme Schadenfreude when the Miami Heat lost to the ragtag uh, 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 what was it Dallas Mavericks with Dirk and uh, Jason Kidd was still playing back then and all that when the Mavericks upset the Heat in the NBA Finals that was There's a lot of of pleasure and gloating because of LeBron and the misfortune there. It was not at the same level with Kevin Durant. It was different. Like NBA fans are equal opportunity assassins when it comes to attacking star players and all that, but the "woe is me, boo hoo hoo" act by Kevin Durant. Uh, I'm, enjoy Brooklyn. No one will care in Brooklyn. Okay, you'll you'll be hopping around on one leg when you finally come back. All right, next. Who are you?
7: Jack Del Rio was recently asked about his interest in the head coaching job at USC. Now, immediately after declaring his support for Clay Helton, Del Rio added that if the job were to become available, he'd have interest. Yeah. Ben, should USC have mutual interest?
2: Well, absolutely, and I'll tell you why. Listen, they're a mess. The USC athletic program is a mess. Southern Cal, they, I, I read a story earlier. They reached out to multiple Power Five athletic directors to come to USC to replace the uh, guy going outbound, Lynn Swan, and they all said, no way, we want nothing to do with you. Uh, you have cooties. Uh, leave us alone, okay? And so, uh, but as far as... Uh, Jack, if USC does not win the Pac-12 this season, Clay Helton is likely toast. Even if they win the Pac-12, he's likely gone. But the the saving grace for him is this guy, this quarterback, Keaton Slovis, this kid who played uh, against Stanford. I think that's how you say his name. But he, he, he he was awesome. I mean, this guy was great, one of the one of the dominating beginnings to a college football career against Stanford, which usually has a pretty good team year after year. So that could completely mess up the best-laid plans of Mice Men and those that have Clay Hilton fired. But the second thing, USC is such a mess athletically, The program there. You got to think that they're not going to get Urban Meyer. I know some people are trying to spread that. I would be very surprised if someone of that stature goes to SC with the situation the school's in right now. That seems like a pipe dream. But Jack Del Rio checks a lot of boxes. You can sell Jack Del Rio. longtime coach, over a decade as a head coach in the NFL. He coached multiple playoff teams in Jacksonville, made the playoffs with the Raiders as well, teams that – in the last couple of decades, have not been regular playoff teams, Jacksonville and the Raiders. He's got ties to the school. Uh, so and, and he's also got – he doesn't have the same energy that Pete Carroll has, but he's a pretty energetic guy. And remember Del Rio's claim to fame in Jacksonville was he put a uh, tree stump, remember, in the locker room, and he had an axe? And, and their slogan that year in Jacksonville was to chop down the tree. And and that was great until one of the people on the team, I think it was the, the – punter or the kicker injured themselves with the axe and then that became a problem all right next no axes wherever you go jack no he's out of football this year right he's not coaching anywhere this year all right next well speaking of urban meyer uh, earlier this week he
7: continued to deflect questions about a return to coaching and insisted that quote is not even in that space and no. wants to focus on his job with fox Ben, when's
2: he coming back? Well, he is in that space. All right, He's, he's lying. Uh, Meyer's lying. First of all, Urban Meyer, if you want to find out where Urban Meyer is, turn on a television on Saturday. All right, That's where Urban Meyer is, Saturday morning. He is lurking in the shadows of college football. He's on television for a reason. He goes out. He doesn't need it. He's got a lot of money. You know why he goes on TV every Saturday? Because his name is still out there. His face is out there. Who watches those college football pregame shows? You know who watches it? Boosters and alumni that have a lot of money money, right? And they're the ones that will give that money to Urban Meyer. He's not a dumb-dumb. He knows the power alumni feast on that content on those shows. So so think of this like commercial real estate. If you're a commercial real estate person, Urban Meyer is looking for the perfect location, right? Everything's got to be right, money-wise and all that, but you'll get money anywhere. Uh, And then secondly, I I would be, as I said, very surprised if USC is the destination for Urban Meyer. He's not a West Coast guy. He would be in for culture shock. USC would be in for culture shock with Urban Meyer. So I don't think it would work out uh, very well. Uh, He's going to have tons of options. Uh, The two I have at the top of my list to keep an eye on are the University of Texas, no one's talking about that, but they have another mediocre season. They just lost to LSU over the weekend. Tom Herman, who used to intern at a radio station I worked at years ago, uh, he'll, he'll get the boot, and there's a lot of Texas oil money, old Texas oil money uh, around that university, and those boosters are the longhorns that can bring in Urban Meyer and say, hey, come to the come to the Big 12. You've tried the SEC. You've tried the, the Big 10. Try the, the, the Big 12 conference. And I could see that happening. And also, even LSU, LSU who won that game against Texas, Coach O, Fred Flintstone, if he gets the boot, if they don't achieve the goals in Baton Rouge, I could see that working out uh, where Urban Meyer slides in. Yeah, that's more of a long shot. All right, there it is. Mallard to the third degree. How did we do? Ben, you pass again. That is a winner. You put on the board. Yes. All right, time now for the instant trivia. Here we go. Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. Fox Sports Radio has
5: the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. It's now time for... Time
11: for... Hurry, hurry, I can hardly wait. Ask
2: Ben. Twitter. Send us your questions on Twitter now. And away we go this time now for Ask Ben. Your questions are answers, and we go over to the Koopa Loop. These are actually questions submitted by listeners like yourself. All right, Koop,
7: what do we have? All right, Ben, we're going to start with a question for you. All right, uh, SoCal musician on Twitter wants to yeah. know: Would you rather attend a karaoke party featuring Arnie Spanier and Petros Papadakis wow. singing love song duets for my radio brothers, or watch an entire preseason football game?
2: All right, so so here's the way I'll answer this, uh, SoCal musician. I, I would hang out with Petros and Arnie. Uh, I would never get in a hot tub with Arnie, but uh, I'd hang out. You know, we, me and Arnie get along pretty good. I do. I rip him. He rips me. Uh, and I feel like Arnie looks like I'm going to look eventually. Like I'm going to get to the point where Arnie looks right now. And I will get to that point. So I'm heading down that avenue. Uh, and I, li- I like when Arnie gives his dopey picks that are terrible and he gives those out. I enjoy that. So I can hang out with him. And Petros is fun. I've hung out with Petros. He's a cool guy. A big star talk show host in Los Angeles and all that. So, so I'd rather hang out. No, they'd be terrible at karaoke. But that is still more entertaining than exhibition football. Next! All right, this question is for everybody. Uh, It's a group
7: question. Uh, This is from Ray on Facebook. Hi, Ray. Uh, Ben, since you just came back from a road trip for the crew, what is your most memorable road trip?
2: all right I'll, I'll go first my most memorable road trip is uh, I was kind of depressed at one point in my life and uh, things weren't going well in my career and my mom said you know you should just go to Vegas Do you know what? I said well my friends are busy they can't go they got work I said, just she said just go so I drove to Vegas in the middle of the night and almost died on the road. I fell asleep driving to Vegas and I I remember I was driving in the fast lane out I think the Apple Valley or Barstow, somewhere out in the desert in California, and I fell asleep, and then I I woke. It wasn't a long. I woke up in the slow lane, but I know I was in the fast lane. I don't know how I survived. Fortunately, there weren't a lot of cars on the road. That's probably why. And I woke up just before I was about to hit a wall. So that's the most memorable road trip to me. What about you, Eddie? Uh, we were in college, me and my roommate, and we decided we
9: were going to, just out of the blue, drive to Boulder, Colorado to see our beloved Fresno State Bulldogs take on the University of Colorado. We drove through. We stopped in Vegas. We placed a wager on the game. We drove through. We, I think we stayed the night in Salt Lake City, and then we drove through the entire state of Wyoming and then down uh to Boulder, Colorado. Oh, that sounds like fun. Fresno State won the game. We drove back, stopped in Vegas, collected our winnings, and then... Uh, Awesome. Came home, but how it was, much was the bet? Uh, was like $100. So oh, I was like a hundred bucks. So, but in okay. college, I mean, that was yeah. that was a lot of yeah, money for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's cool. The man. state of Colorado is beautiful. State of Wyoming, uh, it's kind of not much. Not it's much just, going on. Yeah. Just remember, we had a
2: guy. We had a guy we knew, Steve Stillwell, that worked in radio in Cheyenne, Wyoming. He Used to work here. He went and yeah. did radio there. But I remember uh, we drove through Laramie, Wyoming, and it was like yeah. it took like two minutes.
9: I was like, wait a minute, that's. It's, it's that's it's, it. It's, it's gone. Like, it's
2: one of the big cities in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where Taco John's is located. There's a bunch of Taco right, John's. Is that right? <laughs> <around>. <laughs> yes. The pride of the civic pride of of Wyoming. I wish I had the. T- I I'd never done like all the way across the country. I've just you know the states close to me and all that stuff. Although I didn't on the East Coast. I drove from uh, New York through Pennsylvania to Ohio <laughs> and uh, all over the place. But that's you know, not that far. What about you, Roberto? Like.
5: Craziest road trip! I was at a family gathering, uh, uh, f- gathering with my uh, best friend, and m- yeah. m- my oldest cousin shows up, and he's he was in a long relationship, and he all of a sudden he shows up. He's like, "Let's just go to Rosarito right now." This was on like Saturday, yeah. yeah, Saturday. It was like a Saturday, like at nine o'clock. All right, let's go. Yeah, we drove to Rosarito. How long is the drive? Party, how long is the drive uh, to Rosarito? Two and, uh, two and a half hours. Oh, that's it. Party oh, okay. to papas and beer. Yeah, got drunk, slept in the car, and went back home. <laughs> All right. That's yeah, good. That was That's so would way
2: fun. to do it, man. You don't need a hotel room. Nah. Come on. Although we have those guys at the hotel in Rosarito Beach. I don't know if they're still listening, but- Oh, the, yeah. Man,
5: Rosarito Beach Hotel. They, I remember they, that.
2: They can hook you up, man. I know people. What about
7: you uh, over there, Koopaloo? I'd say for most memorable road trip, it's a, it's a tie. Uh, first one, when I was like 13, my mom took uh, myself and my sisters on a cross-country road trip. We drove uh, from from here to Kentucky. And then, and then back. that's
2: random. Why just Kentucky? Why didn't you keep going? Uh, you well, uh, know,
7: the final destination were the uh, the Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. Oh.
2: yeah, and, and I mean, how, how were they? I've never been to the Mammoth Caves. It was Don't it was worry.
7: pretty awesome actually. I mean, the the de- the main destination was uh, Graceland in, in Memphis. Oh, nice. Uh, but we figured, you know, we're we're right there. We might as well check out the uh, the the Mammoth Caves as well. Uh, so that one was really cool and then a a recent one that i kind of just like you got you talked about i drove from here to portland and so i remember that yeah yeah, yeah, stopped in san francisco and then another like 10 hours to portland it was it was insane but it was with my girlfriend so that was cool
2: oh you had to you know put a caveat at the end of that you had to cover that all right uh, it's uh, ask ben your questions are answers for the rest of the hour what's next all right. Uh, this
7: is uh, this is for everybody. This is from Derek Rogers. Hi, on Derek. Facebook, Mr. Rogers. Yes, uh, big fan. For the whole crew. If you were to perform in the circus, what would you
2: do? Uh, well I, I the circus I grew up with doesn't exist because the circus I grew up had like elephants and things like that and, uh, I think it'd be kind of cool like the old circus to be one of the people with the elephants you know and do that I think that would be kind of cool I don't think I'd be very good as a trapeze artist in the circus <laughs> I don't think that would go very well I don't think I have the body for that unfortunately although I also the clown car thing I always got a kick out of that like you know you get 17 clowns in the Barnum and Bailey uh, back in the, their circus days I think so but I, I was Say either some of the elephants that don't exist anymore because they got rid of that, or uh clown car. What about you, Eddie?
9: Uh maybe uh fire me out of a cannon, maybe something like that. Fire out yeah, of a cannon. Yeah, you, don't, you
2: don't remember that? You human, know, like,
9: human human ball, or something, something like, like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 You
2: could do that. Yeah, I
9: don't know. think that would take much skill, just a lot of uh courage, maybe.
2: What about you, Roberto? I'll
5: be a clown
2: clown yeah hey we're clowns anyway we're on the radio we're all clowns uh, that's what we're doing for our living what about you
7: cool uh, i think i would be like a, a knife juggler
2: what about a someone that blows the fire you know uh, you have the, uh, the i could, do, fire I, I could breather. That too yeah that'd be cool yeah. i think the trick to that is you have to have this there's some kind of liquid you put around your mouth and then you won't burn your mouth supposedly imagine trying that for the first time though all right thank you ask ben
0: good job that was good